Hi, everyone, and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Row podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we are available virtually anywhere you listen to podcasts. No matter what you do creatively, this is the podcast for you. Angie, what are we discussing today? Well, today we're going to be speaking with Jennifer Moore Tomofska about her journey from supermodel to super artist. This is going to be really interesting. And in a way, I think this is going to remind me of our early life together. But before we get into that, mm-hmm. what is your quote? I have a really neat quote today. Here it is. Each person must live their life as a model for others. And that is by Rosa Parks. Oh, I like that one. Isn't that a nice quote? Yeah, you always seem to come up with ones that are very applicable to our shows, actually. I think it's all about kind of being a role model, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is about being a role model. Totally. You know, and how each person must live their life for others. Like, what are you representing for other people? Yeah, people, you know, people do judge you by what you say, how you act, and you want them to judge you favorably, at least I think you should. And when you do that, people have respect for you, and you want to show people that it's cool to be okay, it's cool to be cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that's really true. But also, I do think you may feel this way, too, and maybe our listeners do as well. When you see social media or you see people just letting it all hang out and they're just they're being very crass and they're saying, oh, well, I'm just being myself and I'm being natural. And it's like, well, that's kind of true. But hopefully they're just not always being crass. Like there's more behind that story than just I mean, we all say probably cross things at one time or another, but let's get it to the to the real heart of the matter and not just be about how many, you know, expletives you can use. Yes, exactly. You know? Well, people do that to bring attention to themselves. And actually, if you read some things, if you read some things on how to be popular in social media, it says, oh, be different, you know, be out there. Uh, But a lot of people don't know how to do that tastefully. They gravitate to what I consider to be the more seamier side of life. Right. And they just don't present themselves as well as I think they can. And, you know, we all love people that are positive and upbeat. It makes us feel good inside. So True. Well, also, I I want to make one addition here is if you are concentrating on that level of speaking, Mm -hmm. then you're just going to attract more and more of it into your life. And, you know, keeping it classy and trying to find the elegance and the beauty of things, it may seem kind of Pollyanna-ish to some people, but I think that it's better to concentrate that on that than to only concentrate on things that are kind of in that lower vibration realm, really. Well, I'm lucky because most of my followers are wonderful people. I really enjoy them. Yeah. Well, this is going to lead to our new segment, which is called Rod's Motivational Moment. And so tell us about what you have for us today. Well, actually, it's not too terribly new. I think this is my third one. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think we're on number three for you. Okay, well, here we go. No matter how old you are, there will always be changes taking place in your life. Mm -hmm. And be receptive and find the joy in each one of those. That's a really good one. Well, I think that we all have 
good things and bad things that happen to us. And we should be learning from each one of those. But you can usually find joy somewhere if you look for it. And this is, this is, if you're, it doesn't matter how old you are, you could be 9 to 90 and you're going to have those changes. But try and look for the best possible thing. Be receptive to find the joy in each one of those situations. Yeah, and I really like one part of what you said that may be overlooked, which is be receptive. And in life, it's a give and take. And a lot of times people are giving a lot where they're, you're putting it out and you're putting out your opinion because everyone has an opinion. And But it's really kind of cool when you can tap into, even if you're a male, tap into a more feminine energy of receptiveness where you're going to be receiving what other people are giving to you. I mean, what their thoughts are, what their emotions are, or their gifts to you every day. It's really important to stay open to that. And it's hard to do that sometimes because you get focused on yourself every day. Yeah, well, like the old TV show said, these are the days of our lives. <laughs> now, that's, that's a good one, right? So we were talking about our life together when when we first met earlier you mean how we met yeah yeah and even though it's been quite a few years ago but it's still fresh in my mind it almost seems like yesterday sometimes i'm glad to hear you say that (laughs) because you know i really feel the same way why don't you tell everybody how we actually met okay and it wasn't on a streetcar somewhere a streetcar named Desire. <laughs> uh, um, well, I met you in your photo studio, in your photography studio, when I was sent to you by my agent for a go-see. Yeah, lucky for me. I still remember that day very well. And not only that, we hired you for that job that we were working on. My client really liked you. My team, the stylist, makeup artist, everybody said, you know, she's going to be perfect for this shoot. And... It was probably over a year at least Mm -hmm. before you and I actually started dating, even though I used you on various shoots throughout that year. Yeah, I think we just became really good friends first, and we had a lot of phone conversations that went on for hours, and um, we just really hit it off. You were a a fashion photographer, a commercial photographer, and I remember you photographing a lot of fashion. I did a lot of fashion, and I was very fortunate, but I was truly lucky because I ran my studio for around 20 years, and I had the opportunity to photograph top models. That was cool. Celebrities, a president, a whole bunch of other famous people, along with many bread-and-butter jobs like plant facilities, electronic equipment, all kinds for brochures and reports, food, furniture, which is pretty typical of a commercial photographer. But I call those my bread and butter accounts because some of those accounts that uh, are projects that I worked on that were certainly fun and exciting and I met interesting people, they were never the ones that really paid the bills. It was more like if I photographed a car, that helped me keep the studio doors open. Mm -hmm. But that was a wonderful time in my life. And also it uh, brought you and I together. True, true. And then during that time... Um, Not only did I model for you, but I also had the opportunity to be photographed for many different ads, as well as beauty products. I even had the opportunity when my agent um, would send me to commercial auditions and things like that. She 
thought it would be a good uh, audition for me to try for a soap opera. And that soap opera was General Hospital. I didn't get the role at the time, but the role went to Demi Moore because she looked more streetwise, um, which I definitely did not. I was a little more... That definitely was not you, and I'm happy to say that was not you. No. And you know, you were probably most known for your looks. You're very beautiful. You still are to this day. But that isn't actually what I fell in love with. Was it your looks? And I know people say, oh, well, didn't you find her beautiful? Well, yeah, I just did. But I never really zeroed in on that. That's not what made me really like you or fall in love with you, I should say. You just seemed to be perfect. You just were so compatible with me in so many areas. I loved sharing all of our wonderful experiences together in our life, and you know we still we still do. It's very precious to me. So when people say, "Oh well, you know, and she's so beautiful," and I never really ever think about that, and some people find that somewhat confusing. But personally, I think that has to do with how much respect I have for you. My respect goes beyond the surface. You are a very special person, and you always have been. Oh, well, that's so sweet of you to say, and I feel the same way about you. I mean, I feel like you you need more in a relationship than just, I mean, some people fall in love with their eyes first, for sure. But I think you need a lot more to keep a relationship going because we've been together for a really long time and we still are like really connecting. And, and, and I think that's really important when, when you have any kind of relationship. And you're right, we are still having wonderful and exciting life experiences together, which I treasure and cherish. Now, darn it, all this time I thought you fell in love with me because of my looks. I was so devastatingly handsome. You are a cutie, that is for (laughs) sure. Okay. Well, you know, the reality is most friends that know us, not only as husband and wife, Mm -hmm. uh, but they know that we are absolutely best friends. We've been working together for years every single day practically and i have to share we're a very gabby couple we're virtually chatting every minute of every day mm-hmm. and sometimes we wake up in the middle of the night and we start a conversation or complete the conversation we had during the day you know i really like it when you say we wake up in the middle of the night because that is not true at all it's usually you wake up in the middle of the night And this conversation that we have in the middle of the night is really one-sided because I am literally snoring in a deep sleep when you wake me up. But you've got something you want to talk to me. One one time it's about microphones or one week. The next week it'll be about some other thing. But I attribute that to you being a Gemini because internally I don't think inside you shut up. So... Literally, it's always talking, so you have to spread the joy no matter what time of the day or night. Well, my Gemini twins get tired of talking to each other, so they feel they have to grab <laughs> on to you. Truth on that. But actually, I'm really quite shy. People are. I find people very interesting, and especially when I get to know them or we get to know them, and that, I think, is what makes me want to communicate more with them. But I think I am kind of shy. You know, I hear you say that, and I'm like, no, you are not shy at all. I think you just need a minute to start engaging with people and to connect with them, and then and then you're fine. 
because usually you're like the life of the party and the center of attention. So when you say I'm shy, it's like, no, you are not shy. Well, I'm shy. (laughs) Okay. Well, enough about us. Okay. So I guess it's time to talk to our guest, Jennifer, today. She has been living life to the fullest and continues to explore and have fun with life. Jennifer, welcome to the Thought Rope podcast. Both Angie and I have been really looking forward to chatting with you today. Hi, Jennifer. So good to have you with us today. Hi, Rod. Hi, Angie. Great to be here. I'm thrilled. (laughs) Well, it's going to be fun, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I met you through Instagram, and I've been following your inspirational posts for quite a while now. I mean, certainly over a year or maybe more. And I always Mm -hmm. appreciate your thoughtful comments on my posts. Yeah, (laughs) it's so good to end up chatting with someone, um, you know, via the podcast that we've connected through on social media. Well, it's always good to have a sense of mutual admiration, right? And then to actually... and then to connect, it's, it's, a, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's like sometimes you wonder about a person or different people, and then you actually do get a chance to meet. And that's wonderful. Yeah. I think one of the things we discovered by doing this podcast is we get to talk to people that we've actually known for a really long time. I mean, some of the people on, especially Instagram, yeah. I've known for several years and also Facebook, yeah. like there's been oh, yeah, a couple Facebook. of people you've known for like 10 years on social yeah. media. Yeah, never, ever talked to them. I know a lot about their lives, their yeah. children, their relationships, yes. and in some cases their health and everything and their art. And then all of a yeah. sudden we chat. Have you found that to be the case yeah. for you, Jennifer? Yes, here and there. Sometimes the connections are surprising. You, It, it often depends on just... I don't know, one extra comment or something, and they respond to it, the other person. And then you have this connection that Mm -hmm. can develop and grow. And then you find yourself getting a little more personally attached, perhaps sometimes. And that's what I would say a real follower is, right? And that's why I think we're pretty lucky when we have that response. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the interaction, the interaction between two people. And then it also makes you feel good that somebody is making a comment on something you post or whatever. Definitely. Before we move on to our interview, we always like to ask our trademark question. (laughs) Um, What did you have for breakfast? Ah, well, today I had the last of my stock of dates. Mm. I always start off, yeah, for a while I've been starting off with the medjool date. You know, those are the big fat ones that are really very nourishing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I we're familiar start... with those. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah? they actually well, grow out. We used to live in uh, oh, Palm Desert and they grow there okay. and we used to go over to the date farms and, and get them personally. Oh, personally. Yeah. But you're so lucky oh, you yes. can get them there. That's yes. great. Well, no, that I'm just, well, I was going to go on about dates a little bit only because I had read a story about pearl divers who subsisted solely on a diet of dates. And I thought that that was just amazing that they had the ability to go through a day just living on a handful of dates. So I thought that must be really good nutrition. That's why I started having one in the morning. And I really enjoy that. And often I don't have anything else, but I go for a walk, come back and I will have my coffee. And then probably like today, had my muesli, 
porridge, blueberries, and that was my start. Boy, all that po- so you started out with all that potassium from the dates. You really did. Yeah, that's a good breakfast. We'll add that to our breakfast list. Yeah, we need yeah, we need new breakfast <laughs> ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, put it this way, this is my current one. I started it actually when I when I moved here and I decided I really liked it. I mean, we all have, you know, we can have our eggs, we can have this and that, but yeah. somehow this one works for me at the moment. So, I'm going to stick with it for a while. <laughs> it sounds really great. And I know that you're talking to us from a very beautiful location in Switzerland today. And, you know, we were talking about social media, the posts that you make with the beautiful scenery of the mountains uh, that surround you and the valleys below. Tell us about this breathtaking place you live in. Uh, Well, it is. It is a breathtaking place. Absolutely. Well, it's called Les Ains, and it's in the Alps of the Vaux region of Switzerland, about an hour from the city of Lausanne. And Les Ains was a quiet village, oh, probably until about the end of the 19th century, when, of course, developers decided it would be a good spot to come to, and they started to build above the village. Why? It's because of the way that the sunlight hits the side of the mountains. Mm. Uh, they, they didn't actually, and what it was is that it became known as a place for people who had lung disease. Oh, yeah, that's and interesting. The, yeah, the cure was called sunlight therapy. That's oh interesting because usually it's something to do with water. Uh, well, there is water around not far away, but it was a Dr. Rollier, I think, yes, Dr. Rollier in about 1910. He, he worked here for over 40 years and they built beautiful Belle Epoque villas in a row Uh, only about three or four stories high, but they all faced in one direction and had maximum sunlight. So it's kind of a special place and you can feel that kind of healing energy here. I love it. Oh, I can imagine you (laughs) love it. (laughs) To change the subject here a little bit, we know you were Mm -hmm. a fashion model in New York and Paris Ah, and other international cities, no doubt. Tell us what your life was like as a fashion model. Ah, well, you know, the reason I got started as a fashion model was, well, way back when I was 12, I saw Seventeen magazine and a model jumping in the air. And I thought that looks like a great job. (laughs) (laughs) So I was inspired early on. When I got started, I thought it was a great way to travel and see the world. And I was kind of lucky in that I happened to be walking down a street, photographer saw me and said, ha-da-da. Wouldn't you like to be a model? Took me to an agency and it started almost right away, just like that. Oh, how lucky. Yeah, so lucky. Yeah, I was fortunate. I guess they say, you know, right place, right time and all that. But I did have a career that spanned 20 years, which is uh, a long time for a model to work. Mm -hmm. That's very rare. That is rare. Yeah. (laughs) But probably one of the reasons is that I was a little stubborn And I would not always listen to my agents. And as my career was building and getting more and more intense, I felt that I needed time out for myself. Mm -hmm. Which is very good. Very good for you to self-care. Well, I did. I took sometimes a couple of months off and did just had a quiet time. Then, of course, my career trajectory was somewhat, you know, stunted. And they said, you'll never be a star this way. 
Well, to be a star was never my aim. I wanted to have a job that I loved, and I did, and I gave it 100% when I was working, but I also felt that I had to have time just to be me, and it was fortunate it was before social media, so it was easy to get off. Yeah. Now, I know from my own experience, when you're a model, you think creatively because you're around creative people all the time, hairstylists, fashion designers, creative directors. Makeup artists. True, makeup artists. Yes. um, Which really sets the stage for a life Mm -hmm. of creative adventures. When you were modeling, did you ever think of becoming an artist? Well, as you just said, surrounded by creativity all the time, Mm -hmm. you couldn't help but kind of think in that direction. I hadn't actually planned on becoming an artist, but... I remember once I was approached by someone who said to me, but artista, you must be an artist. And I thought, well, uh, (laughs) sure, why not? Right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So one day that did come true. But as you mentioned about makeup artists, for example, a couple come to mind that were just amazing people. And I had a One particular adventure, but that's a long story to get into, (laughs) in Madrid, in Spain, uh, Mm -hmm. Vogue magazine, wonderful. He ended up working, it's Anthony Clavette, he ended up doing work with Sophia Loren and many different actresses. Yeah. Yeah. I almost thought you were going to mention Way Bandy or something I was going to say, I, you know, Uh, love Way Bandy. Right. You know, many of those makeup artists became, well, some of them are, still are today, superstars. Yeah. They've written books. They're very creative people and well-known in their own right. Yes. So, yes. You know, that kind of leads me to this thought or question. As a model, you had the opportunity to meet many interesting people. Is there any one person that stands out to you and that you felt was a true mentor? You're around yeah. a lot of creative people. Well, hmm, that's quite a, a question. Who was a mentor to you, do you think? Mm. It's really hard, to be honest, to pinpoint, you know, one person, one period of time. I think it was a succession of people that I met, a succession of individuals who I spent perhaps a lot of time with working on assignments, getting to know them more closely. And that's how I would answer it. I cannot say there was really one particular person that I thought, oh, this is, you know, my guide. Mm hmm. So it's just a, a so lot sorry of if different people. I can't people. give you one, one name. No, no, no. that's okay. I mean, well, I think were. we learn from almost everybody we meet. Hopefully we learn one yeah. thing from them yeah. and that sticks for some things that people say just very casually can stick with us for a lifetime. And, and sometimes sure. you don't even remember who the person was that was the catalyst to that original thought. True. Sometimes it can mm-hmm. be a stranger on a train. I mean, it can be anyone really yeah. that guides you through life. Yeah, just a, a mm-hmm. or maybe even a quote that you read. Right, right. Precisely. Precisely. Right. Yeah. So, Jennifer, when did you decide you no longer wanted to be in modeling? <laughs> well, maybe it wasn't me deciding. Maybe it was the <laughs> world deciding. <laughs> Enough of her. It all came about probably, you know, I think... It's also to do with, as life goes by, you have different goals and focuses, right? Right, right. And I probably, close to about the time when I got married, I would say, it just kind of happened all in one together. In fact, there I was crossing the street in New York City and I had a vision of green. And that green happened to be my first time that I came to Switzerland. And it was in Switzerland that I actually did meet my husband. So oh. there was a flash I came here, and as they say, the rest 
was history. Yeah, that's but a you big, know, big change from the streets of, of uh, New York. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't stay in Switzerland. Then we met. But then I was going on my journey to visit Australia again, the place where I had been born. And on the way back, we met a second time. And that's what kind of clinched the deal. Well, considering the fact that you were a model for so many years, which is extremely rare. I mean, our listeners need to know that that especially nowadays, that just doesn't happen. So for that length of time, yeah, yeah, you were very fortunate in that respect. But, you know, you've lived in several different countries from around the world. I know I want to know anything Angie wants to know. Where are you originally from? And as a follow-up to that, what is your what is your favorite place to be? Ah, well, I was born on the seacoast in Western Australia. My oh. goodness. So, yeah, south of Perth in a small town called Bunbury, which few people have probably heard of outside of Bunbury. Mm-hmm. But it was very beautiful and I loved the sea. And it was a great place to start life. But from there, well, what was your other part of your question? Now my mind could have went back well, to no, Australia no, no, and I lost that's track. That's fine. I, I'm going <laughs> to add one simple note here. We've had a lot of we've we've had a lot of people, a lot of guests from actually Australia. They've all been oh. very interesting and very fun to chat with. But my final part of that question is. What was your favorite? What's your favorite place uh, to be? That's why I. That's why my attention wandered because again, I was trying to think about favorite place. You know, again, to be honest, like you asked me earlier about mentors, the same thing with countries and places. I don't have one favorite place. There are too many amazing places in the world where I've been. You know, had spent time that I loved. Mm -hmm. And I think that everywhere you go, you're going to find something special. I mean, what about you two? Where would you say is your favorite place? Uh, Right now where we live, I suppose. Uh, (laughs) You see, that's how I would answer it too. Right where I live now, I would say the same. Right. Well, I I know when you spend time in different countries, it leaves you with special memories. Do you have a special memory in a particular place you've been? Or more than one. Or more than one. Oh, that's a that, now you're that's a you know a question. You're never going to get a, a short answer with that. <laughs> you know. Well, we want see. we want a, a deep, insightful answer. Ah, well, <laughs> I'll I'll skip over, and then you can tell me if I'm skipping too much. Then, let's say that discovering New York City in the '70s was incredible. Getting to Paris in the 70s was even more, I would say, incredible for me. Rediscovering or discovering Croatia, Dalmatia, was very special because that's where my mother was born. And it was amazing to go back to the village where she had been born and then end up spending, I think, four or five summers in a row in that region. Mm. It's interesting you mentioned Croatia because my older sister and younger sister were just there this last year, and that's where our grandparents are from. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. Do you remember? Do you know the the name of the town or the area? Um. It's okay. I put you on the spot there. I know. Lublana. 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 Are you kidding? Okay, mm-hmm. so that's Slovenia. So it's not far away. No, be, it's I, not I far good, away, but they went no, through Croatia not. to get that, to Ljubljana. 
Okay. I have a very good friend in Ljubljana, as a matter of fact. Thank you for, that pronoun- I met. Yeah, Thank for, you for pronouncing correctly. it correctly. <laughs> well, I had a bit more practice, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm only hearing secondhand. Yeah. But it, it's a great part of the world, isn't it? It seems to be from what we've seen. Yeah. Incredibly beautiful. The islands are amazing. The color of the water is incredibly clear, deep, turquoise, green. It's got a lot going for it. That's why it's become so popular. Yeah, we've been seeing that on on social media where people are really visiting that area quite frequently. A lot of people are moving there. Really? Yeah, a lot of Americans actually are moving there. Yeah, they are. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, you seem to have successfully embraced the different chapters in your life. And this is this is going to be kind of a more of a deep question. What is your philosophy on gracefully going through each of those transitions from one to another? You've you've lived a lot of life, Jennifer. Oh, well, that's interesting to hear, you know, that you you feel that way. You know, when you're actually living it, it doesn't always seem that interesting in every way. But. I think I've been fortunate that I've had the chance and the opportunity to live in different countries, different continents, experience different lifestyles, different languages. And how has it been? Well, as a child, I started traveling very young. You know, at the age of five, I already sailed on a big ocean liner in the 50s from Australia to, to England. And already then, different cultures, I think, shaped me. I think I learned to adapt. Adapting, I think, is an important element because we're always faced with changes that we least expect. And if we don't develop the skill of adapting and embracing and hopefully liking and loving, finding passion in our new lives, we're never going to get very far. So I would say embracing what is new well, and you also are very resourceful. You're each of your iterations of the different careers that you've had, you've been very resourceful and I suspect in many ways self-taught. <laughs> Definitely self-taught in many ways. And that's kind of, for me, a lot of fun. Well, also, it seems like you've just really epitomized being graceful in your transitioning. Like you've you've left yourself open to experiencing new things and then letting that lead you to a new chapter in your life. And that's really a cool thing. Thank you. That's really terrific to hear. Well, you know, there are opportunities all around us. You just have to really open your eyes and see how you can fit in or what you can do to be a part of your new surroundings. And I think that that keeps life exciting and stimulating. Sure it does. And you've gone from supermodel to super artist, both exciting forms of creativity. Do you have, or could you have ever predicted you would go from fashion model to artist? Yeah, to a rather good artist, by the way. Yeah, a really good artist. Oh, well, thank you. Well, let's say that, by the way, if anybody's thinking, who is this Jennifer Moore? And they go and try to Google me, you might not find too much out there. (laughs) you have to kind of dig deep because this was before social media. A lot of the campaigns I did, well, you can find them, but they're not obvious. So some people might say, well, if she's such a supermodel, how come we can't find her? Well, that was part of being under the radar, shall we say, that I would stop and take time off. So I did work 
for a lot of well-known magazines around the world and television commercials. And in fact, there's one which some of you might remember from the early days, GE soft light bulb in the 80s. Mm. It ran for six years. It won uh, an award in the industry. So if you look, you'll find me. But otherwise, you can find me through my art now. (laughs) (laughs) And no, I didn't really think about that transition. That came to me kind of as a surprise. I think I was in Australia. I visited a friend who became an artist, started a gallery. I saw her paintings and I thought, wow, that looks fantastic. So I started hanging out at her gallery, started actually drawing with her Mm -hmm. and realized I absolutely loved it. And I knew I had found my next big passion. Oh, wonderful. Oh, that's so nice. We always like to say we believe everyone is creative. And we even point out the different things that people can do creatively. But I have a question for you. Can you bake a cake? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to be honest with you. My husband was the big cook in the family. I can cook and I can do it, yes, and I can bake a cake. But I would prefer to do other things like paint if I could have the choice. <laughs> oh, understand completely. <laughs> yeah, cakes can be very cakes would be very creative, but cooking painting, is time consuming. Yes, yeah. And painting is maybe a little bit more fun. True. And we know you lived in Poland. Tell us about mm-hmm. that experience. Ah, well. After my happy early years in uh, living in Switzerland, we ended up going to Poland. My husband was with the UN. He went there as the the head of the office there. And we thought it was going to be a six-month to a one-year assignment. However, that was nearly 30 years ago. So (laughs) that was a surprise. I didn't plan or expect to spend a lot of my life living in Poland But it turned out to be an amazing experience in more ways than one. When I first got there at the end of 1990, it was just after the communism basically had fallen. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, you know, just even the day to day was a bit of a shock to my system going to the local grocery store. There was just, you know, potatoes, carrots covered in dirt still and cabbage. That was about it. And as you've just heard, as not being the world's greatest cook, it was quite a challenge for me. (laughs) I can imagine. Someone healthy, though. Those are all generally healthy They're good for you. Yeah. But, you know, buying meat from the back of a truck when I wasn't sure what I was buying, that was also another challenge. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. That's a bit of a culture shock, isn't it? Well, Well, initially it was. Yeah, you need to learn the anatomy of uh, various species. (laughs) True. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, but Poland has changed, as you obviously know, and it's become a great uh, country with a lot going on. Well, you actually did some art things there. You had, did you try to pull together some art shows? You did pull together some art shows? Yes. Well, I started, as a matter of fact, while I was there, I opened up my own gallery. I had an atelier there and I tried to create that kind of cooperative, collaborative type of work with other artists. And it did work to a certain extent. And I had a a great time. I really particularly enjoyed encouraging other artists to get their work out there. And I showed work from the local artist. And I think I managed to get a few on good pathways. So that was satisfying. That's wonderful. Oh, that's very satisfying. Yeah. Sure. And it gave you an opportunity to really immerse yourself in the art world, so to speak, Mm -hmm. especially from the gallery side. 
Mm-hmm. That was quite challenging, but interesting. I bet. Well, okay, so everybody's going to want to know, after all of that experience in Poland, how did you ultimately end up in the Alps, you lucky person, you? Yes. Ah, uh, well, you know, all those years away, although I'd come back and forth sometimes to visit here, I always hoped that one day somehow I would come back. Well, you know, as life does have surprises, we had last August came back here with my husband for medical treatment. Unfortunately, we were too late mm-hmm. and he passed away here. I'm sorry and, to hear that. But we were in the Alps. Here I was. And I said, I'm going to stay. Wow. That's kind of an interesting way to end up being there and loving it. Yes, yes, yes. I'm grateful that I have this possibility to find a new chapter in life and to carry on and hallelujah. Exactly, exactly. So since we were talking about your art and your artistic style, could you share with us your artistic style of painting and what you find most rewarding about painting? Uh Well, like many of us, I was initially inspired by Impressionist painting, then post-Impressionists, until I discovered the Fauvists. (laughs) And I love... The good old Fauvists. Oh, yeah. That use of color really, really got to me. So then I began to paint bolder and bolder. And I guess I would call myself an expressionist. Abstract expressionist for sure, but definitely expressionist. Anything with line color, movement, that's what gets me going. I have a little bit of a follow-up on there because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought I saw where you made posts about painting on cardboard. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. That started actually last year in the real big lockdown when it was hard to get supplies, you know, when there was no even delivery to the house, nothing. And I had run out of everything. And so I went to the garage and I found boxes and I thought, oh, fantastic. So I started painting with them and pulling them apart, deconstructing them. And be- and I loved the feeling, the tactile feeling. Mm-hmm. Sure. So now I yeah. continue. Yeah. You know, in Paris, when things got tight for artists, a lot of them used boot black and painted on newspaper when, well, th- hmm. when things were very hard to get. One of the things I've noticed is you've posted quite a few photographs of magnificent scenery. In fact, I could hardly miss them. <laughs> your studio, this is where I, the way I interpret what I see on your posts. It looks like your studio windows face those mountains and the beautiful Alpine sunrises and the sunsets. For me personally, it would be very difficult to turn away I think I would find that very distracting. How do you turn away and focus on your art or your canvases or your cardboard in that case? Well, you know, I don't really turn away from it. I I embrace it. I'm looking at it constantly. I look at it. I get to the work. I look back again. If I really have difficulty focusing on the work, I have studio number two. And that is a back bedroom that does not have the magnificent view. So, yeah. <laughs> you get a timeout so huh, in your yeah, other studio. I'll, it's exactly it. I'll drag, I'll take the, the canvas if I'm working on it on the floor or the cardboard or the easel, get it in there and just work. That, then I, if I really need to focus, that's what I'll do. Mm, okay. Well, I, I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I hope our listeners have an opportunity to check you out on Facebook and see some and of those Instagram. views. I'm sorry, Instagram. Yeah. 
because those views are constantly changing. I mean, we live in the mountains, so we kind of see that, but it's nowhere near as spectacular as uh, what we see that you see. Mm -hmm. Well, I have to admit, it's, I feel very (laughs) kind of privileged to be able to look out as I am, am right now as we're talking. I can turn to the left face front and turn to the right and still see different mountains. One of them is called Dent de Midi, which people might know of. I don't know, but it's truly uplifting. Yes. Well, they can find it on Google Maps, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) What is your, what is we were talking about your studio, we're talking about your view. What is your creative day like? Ah, well, I generally try to have a morning walk and then I come back and I get into my gear, which is my artist clothes. I kind of, that's, I think, Angie, do you have that when, when you were modeling? You know, you put on different clothes and you have a different, you feel like a different person. True. You, and sometimes you have to do that for a particular assignment as you probably did where you want a different feel and a different personality. So you'll put on a certain outfit and, to, your, attitude to look, and your attitude changes instantly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel. Once I get on, I have two or three different outfits that I usually wear over and over again. And unless I put it, unless I get, unless I can't be bothered to change, I don't get paint on those clothes. But, <laughs> you know, I try to stick to those few. And then I kind of feel like I'm getting ready for my work. And it really helps to fo- for me to focus once I do that. I generally try to work in the mornings at least two or three hours before lunch. And then I feel at least I've done for me mm-hmm. my day's work in that particular area, at least paint on canvas. It's important to me. But after lunch, I will probably do artist admin. I mean, it's all part of life, right? Oh, well, yeah. It's a big part of you creativity. Have to. Yeah. Have to. Is marketing it, your yeah. creativity. Exactly. So after the admin comes the marketing part and it takes up, you know, can also take up two or three hours in the afternoon and it has to be done. It's part of being the modern artist. You got to do your own everything. Yeah, you have to change your hat and then move on to being the marketing and the sales department. Yeah, we would like to think all you have to do is social media, but that's just like a very small part of it and yeah, not always exactly. that productive. Yeah, not, not always. Right. Not always. Right. It is part of it. It's part of the whole package. That's right. You know, I forgot to ask you when we were talking about different places that you've lived mm-hmm. and all the exciting career experiences, what would you consider to be the best time you ever had? The best time, are you talking professionally or personally, or or can I choose? Blend and choose. You can choose. Hmm. Well, all right. Let's say that after, you know, having had that successful and satisfying 20 years modeling and globetrotting, et cetera, I was happy to settle down as a married woman, have children, all that sort of thing. And in fact, I would say, you know, my 40th birthday, we were just sitting on the balcony of our apartment overlooked with the lake view in the distance, but you could still see the lake sparkling Mm -hmm. with my husband who had just prepared a nice lunch for us and our young son and my baby daughter. I looked around and I said to myself, I don't think life can get any better than this. What a beautiful memory. That is such a beautiful memory. So sweet. I didn't know that six months later, I'd be off in Poland in a whole different life. So (laughs) hang on to that memory. Hang on to that moment. That was was a a peak to hang on to. (laughs) 
Jennifer, where do you see yourself now in five years? We know where you are today. Where do you think you're going to be in five years? Ah, right here. (laughs) More of the same, more of the same. Look, I'm sure you're in your mountains and I'm in my mountains. And I think that's a great place to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. uh, That's very invigorating, I guess you might say. Yeah. And also uh, it provides you with a very calm environment to be in. I think with all the stuff going on in the world, it's nice to have a home base where you just feel safe and secure and, and happy. That's right. It's a lot to be thankful for. You know, my main companions these days are the birds. There, <laughs> we have what's called alpine chuffs, uh-huh. and they are and they're interesting. And I'm really getting to they're they're big and they swoop down and they visit me because I give them some bread sometimes and they like that. And I have to admit, there's something to the solitary existence that maybe you don't want to actually like. I want. Put it differently, people do seek it out. And I think sometimes as an artist and sometimes as a creative person, it is a gift to be able to have time just to yourself. That's so true. And it sometimes gives you a lot of clarity on yourself and your artistic and creative endeavors as well. I, I also have to say for us, uh, we've, you get real close to nature. We have all kinds of mm-hmm. birds that visit us. We have bird baths and Occasionally, we'll put out homemade bread because they won't eat any store-bought bread. Yeah, they're kind of picky. Uh, very, very good. Picky. <laughs> they're picky. Uh, yeah, they're very healthy birds. <laughs> yeah, so they get our old homemade bread, but they seem pretty happy. And I um, bet. Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to ask you a question that we ask. We've been asking all of our guests if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past. Who would it be? Well. There's only one person I could put on that bench beside me, and that would be my dear husband. And I think it would be because he'd be so delighted to see that I've managed to carry on, that I've managed to create a new chapter, a strong chapter, a chapter that brings me joy, and a chapter that I think he'd be proud of. Oh, I would think oh, so. Oh, yes, definitely. And I think that is a beautiful thing you just said. Such actually. a beautiful answer. Yeah, wonderful answer. Yes. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, well, you know, he was my big cheerleader. Uh, there was one time when I had, when the early times of painting, mm-hmm. when I was, you know, a little hesitant. You know what that's like in the beginning? Oh, yeah. Thinking, well, I had gone to Canada to take care of my dad for a while. And when I came back, he had framed three of my paintings beautifully as a surprise for me. And that was wonderful. Yeah. And that was an early validation. I felt that if the man that I knew and lived with felt that way, then, hey, I must be on to (laughs) something. He's so supportive. I can I could see why, you know, you guys had such a special relationship and and Mm -hmm. having that support and vice versa. I'm sure that support from your loved one is is very important. And you're very lucky to have that. We have it. We're very yeah, lucky in our we're, case, we're but lucky too. you're very lucky to have that. Yeah. What do you, what, Jennifer? What do you want to be um, most remembered by? Oh, that's a good question. Let me think. Well, okay, for sure, it'd be nice to be have uh, the memory of me being a successful artist and all that sort of thing. But you know, I have to say, I think it's encouraging others and helping them to find their path, their way has always brought me so much satisfaction. Well, you're, you're very good at motivation. You're very motivated yourself. Yeah, really positive. Which is kind of contagious with the people I suspect you talk to. Mm-hmm. 
So you're you're just being motivational to others just by being yourself, which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah, and Jennifer, Aww. you're such an inspiration and, and such a positive person. Yeah, I agree with well, thank Angie. Thank you very much. I agree Aww. with I agree with Angie. You've been very candid in discussing the different aspects of living your life. I mean, you've been very open. Yeah. And it's been exciting to explore that with you. And get to know you a little yeah. better. Well, yeah. thank you very, very much. <laughs> You're welcome. And I just want to let everyone know, if you want to know more about Jennifer Moore Tomovska and her artwork, we will have links in the show notes and also under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com. So everyone can learn a little bit more about her and please connect with her on social media. She's absolutely charming and delightful. You'll love it. You'll yes. love seeing what she does creatively and maybe getting to know her a little bit better like we've been fortunate enough to do. Yeah. Well, I've been fortunate to talk with you two, so the pu- the pleasure is mutual. Oh, well, thank you so much, Jennifer. You, and, you've really lived an inspirational yeah, life. Yeah, so much. And, and I, I know both Angie and I, I'll speak for Angie, but she can speak for herself on this. We're really pleased to have you as a guest on the Thought Row podcast. Yes, this thank you been, for coming on with us today. You've been a wonderful guest. Well, thank you for asking me. It's been great, too. All righty. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day.